Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects, and they have been since 1972. They provide the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. I tell you guys all the time about their amazing snow plows, which can be cut to any length and slotted to meet whatever your specifications may be. Get one for this weekend because snow is coming but also very important is that they do pretty much any type of fabrication you need for your projects, whatever they might be. If it's something simple and easy, they can make you the one piece specifically. Or if you're doing a big project, you can buy in bulk at an amazing rate. And they've been locally owned here in Denver since they started in 1972. Help support them and support the DNVR family. You can give them a call at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Call J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer for you to try. Let's be honest, all I ever get from them is Breck Brew. I will not lie, but if you would like to expand your horizons a little bit, they have options for you. And you can get either pickup from either of their locations or delivery if you live nearby. So still easy to get your alcohol during this quarantine. I mean, yeah, get on it. I need to reorder some more Breck Brew, actually. Maybe I'll yeah. use uh, Drizzly, though. We'll see which one. Um, either way, welcome in. We are answering listener questions once again today. It should be a good time. Real quick before we do jump in, DNVR did just launch a Discord server for all of its members. We actually use that today to acquire some of these questions. So if you are a member to DNVR and you want a direct contact to everyone here on staff, including us and all of the other beats as well, be sure to join us on the Discord server, the DNVR Lounge. It's a great time. There's a ton of chat going in on right there right now and hopefully continues to be that way as the whole DNVR community is there and having a good time. All right. Let's just jump right in then. First question comes from Marcus, and he asks, Is Tyson Jost a homegrown Colin Wilson? He had a mediocre regular season and becomes an animal in the playoffs. Um, Hopefully. (laughs) That's the the idea, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have any issues with that at all. We talked a little bit about it uh, on yesterday's show where if the abs can get quality Jost post deadline Jost on a bit more of a consistent basis, that's a very legitimate player for them. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's a guy that that's the guy they've been waiting for. Right. Yep. And 
personally, I do see quite a bit of similarities to Colin Wilson there, obviously known for being a post-game performer and all of that, but Wilson is kind of that next step forward who has enough consistency throughout the season to get by until that end of year where he kicks it up a notch. And that's what separates him from Jost at the moment, I think. Yeah. um, Wilson. So Wilson's interesting because the underlyings are always really encouraging. Yeah. He drives play well. He's good defensively. And and the area where I've always said this has been important for him in Colorado is that he's been really good and effective along the wall. He's he's an effective board player, and the Avs have not had a lot of those guys in the last few years. They have more of them now, so he no longer has the same value to the Avs that he used to, speaking of Wilson still. Um, but if <clears throat> if... They could get kind of an average Colin Wilson season, which is like 13-ish goals and 20-ish assists. 35-ish point area, usually. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's ideal. That's, I mean, that's a valuable player. Um, That's one that worked for Nashville for for a long time. And can work for would would work just fine for the abs if Tyson Jones could be similar to that. I mean, if the idea that he's going to be some like 20 goal guy, some, you know, 60, 50 point player, I think the ship has sailed. I would agree. He's not going to be that true top six offensive talent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just hard at this point to envision, even though he is so young, you know, maybe maybe there's a age twenty seven season where every he puts everything together and he has a fifty point year and it stands out as the big outlier of his career, kind of like Colin Wilson's twenty goal season when he was twenty five. Yep. Um, where just sort of randomly happened, and then he got a four year deal immediately after that, and it was like, uh, whoops. Yeah. The. It- the idea that Jost will, I think, develop into that true top six guy, I just don't. I'm, I love, I love the kid, and I love the attitude, and I love the work ethic, and that that makes me very guarded to kind of put guardrails on a guy. I mean, let's just be honest about the situation, though. The Avs just don't have room for him in the top six anymore. This is the thing, is that I feel I feel comfortable saying he won't ever become that guy in Colorado. Right. A very important qualifier there. Yeah. Um, if he were to go, I mean, just spitballing, just a team right off the top of my head. If he were to go to Buffalo. A team with plenty of room. And a team with some other offensive talent around him. Not a, not like an overwhelming amount, but a team that needs more help at forward. Uh, and he were to go there and he were to either... Get shifts with a Reinhardt or an Eichel or whatever. Right, yeah. exactly. He, he could be their second line center and he could get a Reinhardt next to him. And maybe that helps him a ton. And he could he could play 16 minutes a night. You know, 15, 16 minutes a night and not the 12 he's playing in Colorado. I I don't want to say he can't hit 50 points if that's if if that's the situation that he's in. If sure. he's still in Colorado 
and he's just scrapping for bottom six because we're three years in his career and we still don't know what how to how to play him. What's the well, best use of of Tyson Jost? You know the the one thing that I think that we're comfortable with with a guy like JT Comfer. We know what he is and we know what he isn't. Yep. And there's you can fill him into different spots for short periods of time. But you also know that there are guardrails there. There are okay, you have an idea of exactly what he's not able to do and you know and you know the the roles in which he succeeds. Jost's periods of success have been in short bursts. So I should say his periods of best success have been in short bursts. And I have consistently pounded the table and said he needs to play at center. Right. It's it's very apparent to me as well that he is better as a center. And, and this is where the problem comes in. As a his first couple of years, he was never able to beat out Carl Soderberg for the second line center spot. The Avs got better as a team, realized this is the start of their window, went out and get Nazem Kadri to fill that spot, and now have Alex Newhook waiting in the wings to eventually jump into that spot. Well, so they also they also went and got Belmar. Sure, and as so, a depth center. Yeah, and so there's there's another job that they're that they're taking off the table. Uh there was also the idea that they they brought in Basically, at the same time, they had Jost, Comfort, and Kerfoot all within, essentially, their rookie seasons at the same time. And all could play center. And all all got shots playing center. All got long looks playing center. Some got long looks playing wing on, like, Kerfoot moved around a little bit more as the more developed offensive player. He he was able to play more on the wing next to, you know, in, in a top six type right. of role, but... They they never really settled on what those guys were. And so with Jost, it's you we're three years in, we're still having the same conversation of uh, for me, he's a legit NHL player. This talk of oh, he shouldn't even he shouldn't even be in the league, he's only a very good AHL player, that's garbage. Yeah. No, um, he's he would be on every NHL team in the league. Yeah, pretty much. There's the if that is like if you were to send that guy through waivers, he getting claimed by like fifteen teams. Yeah, basically the only teams that weren't putting in claims on him are the teams that are so far down the order that they're like, yeah, I'm not gonna get him. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not gonna have a shot at this. Yeah. Um, realistically though, he's an NHL player. You just have to figure out what role you want him to play in. And I don't know that they've done that. And even this post deadline, Jost that we saw who was so good and so effective, there just wasn't enough time for us to say with any confidence, he turned that corner. I'd love to believe that I would, I would love to believe he turned the corner and that that's the guy that we're going to see most more often than not. I just don't, I don't have any faith that that's true. Um, I, I don't know how anybody could without just being like a blind tunnel visioned fan of the player. Like, I don't, I just don't knowing the, 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 the players that they have coming back next year and kind of the numbers game, knowing that Martin couch showed very well and you want to make a spot for him. I mean, I just don't know where you find room for him. Um, it's somewhere like, I'm not saying they have to get rid of him, but 
you know, it, it might be one of those things where you go back to if you combine him with a Zadorov, can you get a quality and a legitimate top six forward out of another team in a trade? Right. Very and much. You consolidate assets and, that you yeah. can replace. One hundred percent. And I don't know. I mean, it's just the reality of by building up assets as an organization, something becomes expendable to the Avs. Yeah, they've done a really good job. Like they've got quality players up and down their lineup that they can kind of pick and choose and say, okay, well, we're comfortable moving this guy and this guy in in an attempt to upgrade this position and whatever, right? Like a lot of different ways that they could attack it. They could just say, well, hey, we'll take the depth and we'll just be deep. All right. Well, now that we've spent 12 minutes on one question, uh-huh. as question. we tend to do, uh, yeah. Uh, well, our next, I tell you, it's a it's a hockey question, right? We had to talk some actual hockey, right? <laughs> I just I got three minutes into it and started jonesing, and all of a sudden it was, oh man, I needed my fix. <laughs> well, our next question comes from BJ Jones, and he says, a while back there was discussion about what this current Avs team still needs in order to win the cup. Head coach was one of the biggest questions. Knowing what we know now, do you think the abs can win it all with Jared Bednar as coach? I do. As do I. Yeah. Particularly the last year's playoff series is what really made me think, okay, Bednar can coach with some of these guys. And as this season developed, as the abs kind of started to figure out how to prevent themselves from going on those big, big slides. Yes, they had some downturns where they lost four or five games in a row, but that didn't become eight, nine, ten. And I think this team has improved under Jared Bednar every single year. Yeah. I'm not sure what more you're asking out of a head coach. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I mean, he's not perfect, but there isn't a single fan base in existence that is a hundred percent happy with their head coaching situation. Right. It, no coach is perfect. It, it, every single one has things that the fan base is going to look at and go, please stop doing that. But on the please whole, use the timeout. Yeah. Use your timeout, uh, play X player, more minutes, whatever you want to call it. It, the coaching staff, I don't think there are any problems at the top of it. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. The conversation about the assistant coaches and special teams is a bit of a different one. But that's not what the question asked. Just Jared Bednar? Yes, I think he is the man for the job to take home the cup. I, I think he's. I think he could coach a Stanley Cup winning team, yeah. I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing that he will or, you know, in Colorado or elsewhere. I'm also supremely confident the Avalanche will not be his last coaching job. Yeah. He's definitely, I think, going to be a career NHL coach now from what he's done in the league. Yeah. And obviously, you know, once you have a certain amount of experience in the NHL, all of a sudden you get a lot more jobs. But Bednar has done quite, quite well beyond that first year. (laughs) As did he did end over five hundred this year, right? He did just over, yeah. So he finally made it back. After I think all I think he ended quite a bit over because they they had that hot run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's quite a bit over now. 
Well, good. Nine games. All right. Um, one more question for this first period. Ryan Oldford asks, what are your favorite cuts of steak? Mine is kind of bougie. Well, you know what? It's changed as I've gotten older. As a kid growing up, I loved filet mignon. It was my favorite cut by a mile. <laughs> okay. And nowadays, I, I like ribeye quite a bit. But the Texas man here in AJ is probably going to gonna school me. No, no. I'm actually... Um, it's funny because, you know, coming from the South, I'm uh, actually not like a big steak eater. Gotcha. Um, I love a good steak, just like everybody, right? Like naturally, yeah. every everybody that eats meat, anyway. Right, right. Um, Fair enough. I yeah, I'm I'm love a good steak, but I don't know that if I go into a restaurant and I'm like, oh, I want a steak, and they're like, oh, hey, we only have T bones, and I'm like, well, I really wanted a porterhouse. I'm not going to be like, you're not. Yeah, right. There's not a a cut that I'd turn down for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm I'm at with it. You know, like oh well, where's the sirloin? Right. Fair you enough. Know, um, for me, like if if I had to choose, like uh, which which one do you, do I absolutely would I prefer? Um, it's probably the porterhouse. Good but choice. I'm I'm also a sucker for a good old New York strip, man. So just a hunk of meat that's like, all right, here, eat it. I mean, let's be honest. You put like the proper peppercorn crusting on something or the right uh, sauce on it and you can make anything amazing. This is this is where I am with a lot of things um, like like with like chicken fingers, right? Yeah. Like chicken fingers are pretty hard to screw up, but really they're all sort of in the same general it's just area a vessel for raising cane sauce exactly like it's really your chicken tender experience is only going to be as good as your sauces and yeah because they're very very rarely do you just like pick up a chicken tendy and just toss it down the old gullet and call it a day you know <laughs> it just doesn't it's not what's up very true that, that yeah i i would agree um aj do you know what goes well with a steak uh, I'm yes, but I'm not, I'm not allowed to say it on the show. So, uh, I won't, I will just let you do your thing. Okay. Well, I was going to say beer. Yeah, so. totally. 100%. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I thought there was like a 20% chance you might say balls. Uh, nope. <laughs> but beer goes great with a steak, particularly a Breckenridge Brewery beer as they are the official sponsor of DNBR. You can pick up any one of their beers from their farmhouse down in Littleton on a pickup order. You can also get a meal alongside that and get $5 off that meal when you use code DNBR. It's a great deal to get on and it's very easy to go in, pick it up and get out of there and go about your day. So, Jump on it. Call them at 303-803-1380 from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can get your pickup. Or if you just want some beer, you can always go through a delivery app like Drizzly, pick up their 15-can sampler, and give some Breck Brews a try. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. 
First question of the second period comes from Frosty Bear, and he asks, how would y'all handle the seventh D slot going into the season? Should the Avs just carry six guys and call up Timmins when needed? Should they carry McDonald, recently signed as the seventh man? Should they sign someone in the offseason, or is there some other option? Uh, I would carry six defensemen. Not okay. even worry about the seventh D. Yep. Just don't even have a McDonald sitting there. Just call up whoever yeah. you call up. You have McDonald sitting down with the Eagles anyway, so you can just use him that way instead of just having him sit around and do nothing. Fair enough. And they McDonald don't... They get, don't really use that guy anyway. Um, they didn't really use Barbario much as like a rotational guy this year. Yeah, that's true. They had a clear cut top six. They should have a clear cut top six again next year, assuming they move one of these guys out uh, and that Byram takes the spot and then have McDonald and Timmons be the two guys that vie for call up time when things go sideways. And- that's That's what I would do. It's either that or I would. I would bring in um, a, a Nachushkin type for the defense, an upside guy on the defense that has worn out a welcome somewhere else and is looking to get another shot um, of of some kind. You know, yeah. um, Eric Gustafson might be that kind of guy. Uh, if Calgary doesn't bring him back, that could be that could be a type of upside play that you know maybe not the best fit for Colorado just because he's more of an offensively tilted guy. And I think Colorado have, will have plenty of that next year. But just an example as, as that kind, as that style of guy. And, you know, just to further, you know, Gus and Landeskog have known each other for a million years. So there would be, there would be pals in the room, in the room right away. So if, if you have to sign a seventh D and you wanted to go that way, that's fine. Do it, do it like that. You know, um, yeah, I would not sign a seventh D. Yeah. They have uh, McDonald now if necessary, and realistically, I do hope it is Timmins that, that has that inside track. Uh I don't have that faith, but um I would rather I would rather have it be McDonald and Timmins as like your top two guys that you're kind of working with as as to see who gets that call up versus you know, signing um uh, I I don't know. Well, Signing so here's like, the, like Ben Hutton. Right, exactly. The The thing that could throw a wrench into that, got asked this question today about Petrangelo, if he potentially hits free agency. Another name that we've talked about in the past is Dustin Bufflin. Mm-hmm. If those guys are available, how do you make it work? How do you make it work by going out and trying to sign that big name? This is already assuming the Avs are moving on from one defenseman. So if you go out and get a Petrangelo, do you still try and squeeze Byram in and you're looking at moving a second defenseman at that point? I think so, because you can move on from one guy now and replace him with the rookie. Right. That's, the, the, that part the seems The high-end rookie that you're comfortable, like that by the end of the year, he will be giving you at minimum what the player is leaving would have given you as well. And so you're comfortable with that trade-off. Now, if you were to go out and if you were to take a chance on a Bufflin or take it, go and do a Petrangelo type of move, then uh, that guy will be better than, you know, okay, let's just be honest. We talk about moving a defenseman. The, the conversation's always around Zadorov and Cole. Yeah. So you moved one of them, you're placing with Byram. 
you go and you get a Bufflin or a Petrangelo, then you're just moving both out at that point, and you're replacing them with Petrangelo slash Bufflin and Byram. And the reality <laughs> of the situation is you, you just got much you better upgraded. Yes, you just got you just got much better. In the case of Petrangelo, you got a whole lot better. Yeah. In the case of Bufflin, you might have gotten better. Yeah. Because we just don't really know what he looks like. We don't know about when the conditioning. Returns, yeah. We don't know. We don't know the health. We don't know his long-term prospects. That would probably have to be like a two-year deal. And I'm I say two-year because I don't, I just, I have a hard time believing that nobody in the league would offer him a two-year deal. Maybe, maybe he would take a one-year deal. Maybe like the Islanders offer a two-year deal. And he's like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'll, I'll stay out West and I'll go play in Colorado on a one-year deal and maybe parlay that into a multi-year deal if he plays well. Yeah, just reasonable with with him as AJ busts out the sweet music. I'm a boss calling. <laughs> boss can wait. We're on a pod. He's This is like the third day in a row he's called one of us during one of yeah. our shows. Yeah. <laughs> he, keeping us busy, I guess. Yeah. But. Uh, all right. So seems reasonable that they could do that. The next question, a little bit less reasonable. Stolen from 31 Thoughts by Joey B. He asks, which GM would make the best door-to-door vacuum salesman? And I can tell you it's not Joe Sackick. Because if you're a door-to-door salesman, you cannot slow play your hand. Yeah, you can't ice cold, like, wait them out and be like, right. you need this vacuum. like, And try and Jedi mind trick him. <laughs> the, not gonna work on the door-to-door sales. You gotta, you gotta get in there and pitch hard. Um, I'm gonna go with Kyle Dumas. Yeah, I, that's a decent choice. I feel like he'd get in there and break down all the analytics of the vacuum. Right, he would be able to throw the the specs at you, but he's he's a young, good-looking guy, which is always attractive in in salespeople. Yeah, uh, he's got the natural charisma. He can just show up and just chat you up and feel like uh, feel like your best friend, and then also be like, "Buy this vacuum," <laughs> and then you'll be like, "Okay, now I want a vacuum." I guess I gotta buy your vacuum. Really excited about this vacuum now. Thanks. I'm gonna go with Mark Bergevin, not because he'd make the company money, but he would sell that vacuum be- because he would scare people. He would he he has it all in the bag, all right? He'd scare people. If that doesn't work, he'd give them a 20% off deal and they just wouldn't be able to say no. He'd just keep lowering the deal until his company is actually losing money. Mm-hmm. But he would sell that vacuum. <laughs> uh okay. Got to meet the quotas, you know. Get his bonus. Yeah. Let's see. We can take another quick look. Uh Shovel day off would be terrible. I think uh, John Chaka might be good at it just Chaka, because he's yeah. eager to deal all the time. Very much an asset manager. 100%. I think yeah. David Poyle would be another guy that I'd be a fan of. So here's what, what Chaka would do is he would somehow get you to buy all of the attachments, but not the vacuum. Like you'd have a, you'd have the mini roller and the like, corner piece that you can get in deep with, but then you wouldn't have a vacuum to use it with. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<laughs> Boyle's an interesting one. He he'd only be able to like really sell you on a seven year contract of like leasing a vacuum for an incredible deal, but only if you were a defenseman. <laughs> okay. I'm with you. Um who else? Lou Lamarillo would knock on your door and you'd both just sit there in silence for twenty minutes. <laughs> Yeah, he, I think, would probably just try and intimidate you. Yep. <laughs> Wouldn't sell to you if you have a beard. Um. Yeah, that'd be a problem. <laughs> I'm trying to think who, who else. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yarmo would have the whole finish section cornered. Um, not too sure on the rest of them, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I, I don't they don't they use? Uh, weren't we told that they use vacuums to clean their forest floors in Finland, and that's why they don't have fires over there? I have no idea what that's about, but maybe. What about Rob Blake? He just seems like he would be pals with people. Yeah, he seems like he'd be he'd be a friendly guy. Oh, Iserman. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah. definitely Captain Vacuum right there. Yeah, I I think mean, I feel like I Iserman could could push some product. Definitely. Doesn't matter what the product is. I feel like that guy could definitely do it. <laughs> I like our answers for this one. Yeah. I'm I'm willing to take that in the the totally normal space of GM selling vacuums. Um, all right. Next question. Uh, this one comes from John Doe. We almost touched on it in the first, but regardless of the outcome of this season, what are the odds the Avs make changes to at least one of their assistant coaching positions? And it's it's something we've touched on before, where obviously very hard to do inside of a season because there just aren't that many options available and adjusting your systems midways can be quite difficult mm-hmm. in the off season. There's clearly more opportunity there at the end of the day, the abs penalty kill seems to have gotten back on track. The power play. That's the side that you'd probably be looking at if you're, if you're replacing something. <sighs> Yeah, I would see what's available um, in terms of like which which coaches out there you would be comfortable with. Yep, uh, and then I would go from there. But so, I would not. It would not be an easy like. We absolutely have to do this kind of replacement for me. I, mean, I would. I would see what's out there. See what you're what you're comfortable with. Uh, as much as as much as we hate on the power play, like it's right now, it's nineteenth, which not good, obviously, but it's also pretty far from being, I think, a major problem. Um, the uh, the take on it for me on why I think I'd be a little more for it than you is just to see something new. I don't it's, think that's going to happen either way. The, it, it probably won't, but power play systems are, are across the league are 
similar enough. They're very, very, very similar. Um, just in terms of the X's and O's, things that are getting run, are there's there's just not a lot of like true like major differences. And so I don't I for me I'm just not too convinced that that's like a the cure all that we think it might be. I'm not saying it's a cure all and I I'd be going into it saying look, we know what this system is. I'd like to see something new. Mm-hmm. Let's change it and and just try something radical. If it fails, it fails, and you can go get any one of a number of guys that know how to run a standardized NHL system. It's yeah. it's whatever. Uh, so that's where I'm at with it. Tired of watching the same old thing a little bit, and you're probably correct. Everyone does the same old thing because it works. But yeah, you know, ultimately, I can't imagine the Avs really pushing that envelope unless something obvious like someone's super experienced in that field and and has quality metrics says hey I'll come to the Avs and and be a special teams coach or something so yeah and with special teams coaches even if they make a change we won't really have any idea until we see it yep like we we could talk about it oh this is what this guy's history is this is whatever this is how it looked at his previous stop but until we actually see what happens on the ice, like we're just going to be talking. <laughs> it's it's very difficult when it comes to assistance that this is this is not like the NFL where you know there's there are very specific systems that get run, and you can see successes and failures, and there are specialties um, with with coaches there, and kind of like in the NBA, there's a lot of hey, this is what this guy gets hired to do. Um, there's, in the NHL, there's just, like, hardcore people just don't know assistant coach names around the league because they're, it's it's always a constant question of, does this matter? Yeah, for sure. And it's All just, right. it's hard to pin down, to be honest. It's just very hard to know. I mean, the, if they were going to go off of the three-year results of Ray Bennett since he got here, I don't think he goes anywhere. If they were going off of just this year, there's a chance. I don't think Nolan Pratt goes anywhere, though. I've I've come around to the idea that he's probably staying. All right. So there you have it. We'll get out of this second period here for you. Like the coaches likely staying in town, just take a breather, relax. You need to kill some of that anxiety a little bit. That's why Strava Craft Coffee is here. The CBD-infused coffee that you can now purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig. They also have whole bean or ground coffee if you like it. Any of those ways, whether you want to grind it yourself, you just want to throw it in the coffee maker, or you got that Keurig, you can purchase it for 20% off when you use code DNBR20 and get it shipped straight to your door. As I mentioned, it helps with anxiety. It helps with migraines, arthritis, IBS, many other aches and pains as well. Highly recommend it, especially in times like these. I know if you get a little bit anxious or nervous, it can help take that edge off for you. So get that 20% off with code DNVR20. 
Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ answering your questions on another Thursday show. This next one comes from Colbin. He asks, looking at other teams in the West and their future, who could the Avs possibly be facing in the future next couple of years in the playoffs? Uh, this won't... I'm worried about Chicago. They they seem to be turning it around quickly here. Um, obviously the Kirby Doc pick. Uh, I'm a huge Kirby Doc fan. I think that will pay off pick for them. Um, and that will give them a a nice trio down the middle. Yeah, very very strong. As they are just going to continue to fleece Arizona for all time, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I just, uh, as Taves ages, I think that Doc, Strom, Taves could be a good trio down the middle for them to build around. I've really liked what they've done defensively in the draft the last couple of years. Uh, Bolkvist and uh, Nick Bowden and Ian Mitchell are all guys that I really like and think translate well. I liked uh, uh, Yoki Haryu before they moved him for Nylander. Um. We'll we'll see how much they end up regretting that, but uh, I've I've liked what they've done in the draft on the back end, man. I'm I will say, had they gone Byram over Doc, I'd probably be a lot more nervous about them. That, but yeah, with that, they have a a star studded defense on the way. But well, and and they would have like their number one, like their Duncan Keith replacement, and then right. they would also still have all the the guns up front that they still have. You know, Debrincat and Kane, uh, Taves and Saad, and blah, 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 blah. Yep. So. So Chicago's your pick? Yeah. I I mean, I don't think St. Louis is, is going anywhere, even even with the loss of Petrangelo. They're still going to have O'Reilly, Tarasenko, and that, that very consistent forward core. Uh, obviously, yeah. Bennington is, is still a little bit of a question, as he's been a bit more inconsistent this season. but. They're leading the West right now, so. Yeah, uh, they're also older. Um, even if they bring Petrangelo back, that's the same kind of fear that I would have should Colorado make a play for Petrangelo. How does he age? Because if he ages very, very well, uh, then you're getting a high-end guy through 35, and then you're just hoping and praying after that. If you, uh, if, if he starts to decline by 32, you're paying a lot of money for a guy that's not going to be able to give you the top flight defensive job that you're paying him for. And you have kind of a lesser Eric Johnson situation on your hands. Um, that's my big thing with St. Louis is that they're older and they have a lot of money committed already to guys that are either at the end of their twenties or already out of them. Um, they don't have much in the way of a farm system. They've gone all in on, uh, this window right now, this this next two to three years. Uh, for them, you want to talk about losing out on a chance, uh, a, a Stanley Cup playoff year, it hurts them a lot because they have gone heavily into last year, this year, and the next, I think really the next two years before they start to see real decline uh, because they don't really have very many high-end kids coming up. They've traded... They've either traded them away or they're Clem Costin. So, yeah, 
I I agree. Their their prospect pool is pretty rough. But... It's bad, man. Like they signed Scott Perunovic, who was a a, a mid round pick for them and has developed very nicely in college. And at this, even then, it's very Will Butcher esque. Is he going to be? Is he going to be more than what Butcher was able to become for the Devils? I don't know that he will be. He's a good college player. He's a good puck mover. Very smart, and I think he'll be able to get by on the IQ. But I don't. I don't know that he's an impact player on that defense. That it dude just ain't replacing Petrangelo. Well, <laughs> it just yes, and it keeps them from having to go out and spend two million dollars on a veteran bottom pairing guy. You know, yeah. a go or going out and getting a Mark Barbario type of type of cat, right? Where you know you're getting a rotational D, and they they get him on the cheap, so that's important for them. But I just don't know that the high end is is going to be there on some of the kids they have coming in. Uh, so I'm not totally sold on St. Louis beyond the next year or two. So I guess it depends on what you mean by future. Do you mean the next couple of years? Do you yeah. mean three years out? It's really hard to project three years out from now because you just look at three years ago where the Avs were, and we would not have said that the Avs were a cup contending team yeah. in 2020. I would not have had that. Definitely not. I would have said, we hope that they are. You know, We hope that a couple of guys have broken out, but... A lot of unforeseen things took place in those three years to put them where they are. And that's how that's how it goes all over the league. So um but I'm I'm I don't really worry too much about Dallas. I think where they are is where they will continue to be. Winnipeg is really all about that defense for them. Um they've gotta they've gotta shore up that defense. And uh Hinola is a good start. They need they need to continue to draft on that end, and they need to continue to develop back there. I'm just I'm not a hundred percent sure where they're going to get the guys from, especially because it's not a high end uh, free agency destination. Yeah, I to be honest with you, outside of Chicago and St. Louis, the rest of the Central, I'll, I don't I'm not that afraid of. Yeah, and even them. It's not, it certainly isn't fear. It's more of, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's more of a, this is the competition type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. The, and Rafe, the Avs shouldn't be afraid good, of any. That's team a good way to put league. it. It's, yeah. These are the teams that we think will be vying for the top spots in the, in the near future. Yeah. For sure. Uh, next question comes from Anthony and he asks what's the analysis of the Kadri Berry trade a year later uh it's still a certainly a win for the Avs uh obviously the Berry thing hasn't worked out amazing for the Leafs but the Kerfoot side of it has gone very well for them so the only thing that I lean towards calling this trade more of an Avs win is that Toronto was not as good as they thought they were going to be with Barry trying to make that push for the cup. This is the rare trade that has gone more or less exactly how I thought. Yeah. Uh, I did not think that Barry was a good fit in Toronto. Um, Kerfoot is fine, but he's just another guy there. Like he's a good, he's a good solid young player, but they, they were so stacked that he's yeah, a third they liner. And, they yeah. didn't need him. He doesn't. He doesn't make them crazy good. He doesn't. He doesn't move the needle for them very much. Sure. 
Um, Kadri in Colorado has been perfect. Um, yep. Worked out just great this year. The underlings are a little concerning. But new player, new new team, new system, and very little consistency in terms of... Yeah. Constant winger changes because yeah. of all the injuries. Exactly. So the role, the role is kind of the same, but the cast was never-ending in terms of rotation. Yep. So... I I would agree with that on the Kadri side. I'm not too worried about the underlyings, to be honest with you. I think he's a very good fit for that 2C spot. Um, Yeah, I guess that's kind of where that lies. Next question comes from Roberts, and he asks, what are your guys' thoughts on the Avs potentially signing Alexi Melnichuk, and what could it mean for the Avs' current goaltender situation if they get him? Melnichuk, for the record, is a... Russian goalie did play some in the KHL this year and would be available to sign as a uh, free agent. If he is willing to come over, there has been some rumors swirling that the abs were supposed to supposedly one of the teams in on him. Um, supposedly making his decision on May 1st. I'm down with it. Why not? Um, for me, goaltending is the one position where you can never feel over overly confident. And you just keep taking swings. You just keep accumulating assets. You end up with too many of them. Oh, no, you trade them. Like, do what the Kings did for a few years where they just traded their backups for more picks, high-end stuff, players they liked, whatever, whatever, whatever they want, right? Like, choose something. Too much of a good thing just means you go move it for some other good thing. Like <laughs> Exactly. A different good thing. Yep. And... I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, if he wants to sign here, that's great. It doesn't change Colorado's situation in Denver next year, but it makes you wonder what the future of Hunter Miska is, which would be kind of odd because he was great for the Eagles this year. Uh, if they wanted to run all kids next year and go Miska, Werner, and, uh, this kid in Utah, I'm fine with that. Goaltender is the one position where being in the ECHL is not the end of your career. It's not a major red flag. There were a handful of goaltenders in the NHL last year who have the ECHL on their resume. I believe Philip Grubauer is actually one of them. Um, I It just would not. It, it, it's fine. I, I would have no issues with the signing at all. It would be fine. The reality is this kid probably has a KHL starter job next year, though, so I doubt he'd want to come over for the ECHL. Uh, They would have to have that conversation, right, about expectations, but he was on a pretty high-end team last year, and yep. um, you never really know like what the plans are with those teams. It's so hard to read Russian tea leaves. I, I don't sure. know that... I, I it really kind of depends on what he wants to do. It it does depend, but I don't know why Colorado's <laughs> even on this list. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know why they are either. Like uh, this should but, be such a San Jose slam dunk. Yep. Like they should be in, offering him the world, basically. Right. Like just just like okay, it, this is in the bank. It's it's San Jose. It's done. It's opportunity. It's exactly what they need. It's it's a perfect fit. All across the board, I don't, you know, like this. The, to me, I'm just like this is this is easy. This should be San Jose running away. 
done. Yeah. Whereas the Abs have both their goalies locked up for next year and Francois for an additional year, as well as the prospect competition from guys like Warner and Annan. If this kid is looking for opportunity, there are a lot of places that are going to have more than the Abs. Yeah, definitely. So. I'm a little. I was a little confused to see their name in on him as well. But hey, if he's interested, why not? A strong Russian connection and an organization on the rise. Like it makes it makes sense from that perspective because we used to always see the Rangers and the Blackhawks on these lists when they were at the height of their windows. Because like players just wanted to play for them. Yeah, exactly. And the Abs. I think the Abs have a. They have to have a good reputation in Russia right now because they've they've been rolling so many Russians out the last number of years. Some have worked out and some have not, but they've given opportunities. And I think that that has to go a long way. Just not Andre Mironov. <laughs> yeah, they, they have given a lot of Russians a lot of opportunity. I would agree. On that note, I guess it's about time we got out of here, AJ, unless you got any final thoughts, questions, or whatever. Nope. I've got the boss breathing down my neck to go jump and uh, do something for him next, too, so I got to get out of oh, here. Man. He's busy man. Got to work. All right. Well, AJ's going to get out of here, as am I. You know the drill. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, Game 3, Abs Flames, the emergence of Kale McCarr as a superstar, even if it is his first ever NHL game. Hope to see you there, and until then, talk to you tomorrow. You can get 20% off at Mile High Green Cross when you sign up for their loyalty program, and you'll get that 20% off once every single month. Be sure to tag them and let them know. If you're already part of their loyalty program, just let them know about DNBR sending you to get that 20% off. They're conveniently located at 9th and Broadway with parking in the back, so it's super easy to get in, get what you need, and get out. The NPR Avalanche with Hayfalee